This WQED education podcast is made possible by the Ready to Learn Initiative, the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, and listeners like you. Thank you. My name is Jen Ford, and welcome to the Wonderful World of Work podcast. Did you know that a special type of person helps others to buy or sell homes, apartments, and other buildings around our community? This person is called a realtor. This episode's special guest is Melinda Lynch, a realtor with Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, the preferred realty. Melinda and her team are currently in the top 0.5% of realtors nationwide, and we are so lucky that she has joined us to share her knowledge today. Welcome, Melinda, and thank you for joining us. Melinda, tell me about your career as a realtor. What drew you to this career field? It's actually kind of funny. I feel like I fell into this career, which uh, from talking to many real estate agents, that's kind of what happens. Um, I I originally wanted to be a broadcast journalist, so I always envisioned being uh, on TV and reporting the live news and thought that was going to be my my path. But, um, you know, when you become a mom and when you are juggling uh, both a career and a home life, you need a bit of a flexible schedule. So it seemed like a logical next step for me uh, when my kids got a little bit older. But in addition, I actually, uh, I, I got fired from a lot of other jobs, <laughs> which I think <laughs> is because uh, I was trying to do something that wasn't naturally what uh, I, my, my gifts were. So I was, um, I was too much of a people person that I couldn't be in an office and I needed an opportunity to have um, a bit of an open structure, never knowing what the day is going to bring, who you're going to meet, what opportunities you're going to have. And uh, real estate kind of afforded me the opportunity to run my own business and meet some incredible people. I'm so lucky. Some of the people that I have helped serve um, in the area have become very good friends. Um, some of them have, have become the godmother of their children. and. It's been such a a beautiful opportunity for me to uh, feel like I actually, I don't work. Don't tell anybody because I want them to think I'm working, (laughs) but it definitely feels like uh, this is more of a lifestyle. So I loved the opportunity that I was given to um, to, to have limitless opportunities for income as well. The more you work, the more you have success. And uh, there's really, for women specifically, I felt like it was such a, um, a great opportunity to be at every baseball game and have uh, the luxury of uh, being able to make a limitless amount of money. Um, so it, it just really, it seemed like it was the perfect fit for my lifestyle. So it sounds like really like your connections are what drew you to this field. You know, the fact that you wanted to connect to lots of different people, that you wanted to have those meaningful connections with your children. Um, it really led you down this path where you've tried other things. They weren't right for you, but now you feel kind of at home in what you're doing. That's what I love, too. I love that there is um, almost a hope that just because you haven't found the right fits doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And, uh, and I, I love that this is what you put into it, you get out of it. And uh, the relationships that I have created, um, even as a team leader, I actually ha- run a team of, it's an all women team. 
and uh, they are moms. One of them is uh, is on her second baby since joining my team, and the flexibility that she has to be able to serve her clients uh, in addition to taking off the time that she feels uh, is an appropriate amount of time for her uh, to be at home with babies. Um, it's just such a it's such a unique job in that regard. And you can do it almost anywhere. I've sold houses in Aruba. So it's kind of, oh. I know, it's kind of neat. The luxury is uh, in, in any state that you're licensed in, uh, you're licensed to sell that in that entire state. So technically, even though I'm in Pittsburgh and the majority of my business is in Pittsburgh, I can sell in Harrisburg and Philadelphia. Um, it's actually really, really neat uh, to be able to have multiple licenses in different states and different parts of the world. So it's pretty cool. Very neat. So I heard you mention license. So that must be some kind of training or schooling that you need to become a realtor. Um, can you tell us the steps to becoming a realtor? Absolutely. It is uh, also very unique because there is no college course that is required. So um, getting your GED or your high school diploma is all that is required for you to start the classes. And the classes are actually quite short. Um, they're online available. Uh, COVID has kind of made that more a, um, a preferred avenue for taking the courses. Uh, but it takes as little as eight weeks to go through the, uh, the classes. And then there are two tests. It's the national exam and the state exam. And once you pass both of those, uh, you have the opportunity to move forward to hanging your license with a brokerage. And the cool thing about that is you have the opportunity to interview who you're working for instead of the other way around. So everybody wants you. So you have all the brokerages that want you to choose them and you get to choose where you would want to serve your clients and uh, which brokerage serves, whether it be the commission structure or the environment um, or even location. So there are cer certain brokerages that are serving the specific regions that I prefer to work in. So it is a, is a relatively painless process. The test is not easy. Uh, and the continuing education that is required every two years to continue to stay on top of uh, the market conditions, the changes in ethics training, um, those, those continuing education courses are, uh, are also not, not as easy as we would prefer. But, uh, but it keeps us very, very uh, aware of a fast-pacing market. It's constantly changing, especially here in Western Pennsylvania. It's, uh, it's a, kind of a hub for relocation. So you have to stay on top of, of your knowledge. So while it might be a short preparation to take the initial tests to become a realtor, there's a lot involved in keeping at the top of your game and continuing to better yourself is what I'm hearing. Absolutely. And I think it's also really important to note that uh, it's more than just taking the test. Um, they also look at your background, too. So they want to make sure that you don't have any um, any marks on your character. They look at they, they do require for you to have a background check. And uh, so it's very important that the people that are coming in and out of these individuals' homes are qualified and don't have any any um, tarnished reputations as well in the in the industry sure. and in the community. So 
it is uh, it is a, a huge responsibility that requires a huge level of respect, and uh, that's part of the reason why I think it's such a um, a beautiful uh, amalgamation of individuals. You have so many unique types of people that are in this industry. So you have people that have uh, their GED and people that have their broker's license that have gone through college for psychology and that give a completely different perspective to this industry. So more education is not frowned upon. It's just not required. Sure. So so lots of people from lots of different backgrounds finding this career field that you've also found. Um, <clears throat> it sounds like you've taken a lot of time and thought into building your business the way that that you want it to be on your own terms. So how long has it taken you to build your business to the size that it is today um, as far as you know your experiences in the Pittsburgh area and beyond? So I originally got my real estate license uh, back in 2014. And I remember everyone telling me that it is an uphill climb for at least the first three to five years. And uh, that's the reason, unfortunately, why so many people fall out of continuing forward past the first two years, uh, because it is uh, definitely a challenge to build up clientele and to establish a reputation. So I would tell you three years was when I, um, I, I started to see a return on investment as far as repeat customers and having uh, more confidence in knowing what I was doing. Because I think, I got to be honest, a lot of it in the beginning is faking it until you make it. Because uh, every person that I have worked with a second time or a third time around, I tell them, I'm so sorry for the Melinda Lynch you had the first time. This is Melinda Lynch 2.0. We have improved. We are constantly learning, growing, and adapting. And uh, that's kind of where I felt like it, it gave me the opportunity to start a team and to create a brand. And that's one of the things that's really, really important in real estate. Uh, marketing is a huge aspect of my job and marketing with a, uh, a very recognizable brand is something that I worked very hard to kind of cultivate. And it started with a, um, a mission statement that made me feel very confident in recognizing what I, my expectations were for not just myself, but for our team. And it kind of turned into um, a, a, a slogan and a logo and a culture that is um, synony synonymous with excellence, and that didn't happen overnight. That has taken a lot of uh, a lot of time, and so it's still a work in progress. We're still growing. We're still uh, reaching um, different areas in Pittsburgh and beyond. And uh, I think that's one of the things I love about this is I never stop learning and I never stop understanding that marketing is changing. I'm, I'm shocked by how social media marketing has changed so much, um, even in the last year. And we have to stay on top of that and make sure that we're paying attention to trends, paying attention to what our uh, potential buyers and sellers are drawn to. So it's, uh, I'd love to be able to say I've made it, but, uh, I hope I never make it. I hope I'm always climbing to the next peak. It sounds like being a realtor is just so much more than than selling homes and helping people to buy homes. It's it's truly those relationships and connections you build. And the way that you said that you're constantly hoping that you keep on 
becoming a better version of you. Um, so I think that's really amazing that even you said like now, like you hope that you never make it because you want to keep striving to, to be your absolute best and to keep growing and improving. Um, so yeah, it really I love sounds that. like, yeah, it really sounds like success takes a lot of time and effort then. It does. And honestly, it's one of those things where, yes, you could be an independent agent and do this alone, but the the relationships I've made, not just with the the people that I have hired uh, on my team, but the lenders, the inspectors, the title companies, the fact that it is, um, we are basically the center of a real estate transaction and we're the people that our clients trust to lead them to the best of the best. And if we make a mistake in recommending someone that doesn't deliver excellent service, it's a reflection on me. So for for me, I think uh, it, that's probably one of the biggest responsibilities. You you spend your entire career uh, cultivating trust and and creating an environment of um, of almost being a, an extension of their family, but it can be one mistake or one poor recommendation, and uh, it can really damage that. So it's extremely important that you respect that and um, respect the team and make sure that the team that you are working with has that same goal as well. I think that's a a wonderful point that, you know, that you want to surround yourself with people who have similar um, goals in mind as well that have that hold themselves to the same high standards. I think that's a really important message to to remember. Um, Absolutely. So you said your confidence has really grown throughout your career and and you're constantly changing and evolving. But was there ever a time that you thought that you wouldn't be as successful as you are now? And what did you do to challenge that thought? Every single day I wake up thinking the the police are coming to tell me that I'm living somebody else's life (laughs) and uh, the jig is up because it is such an honor to be doing what I do. But I still don't believe that um, that I am done earning it. So I feel like there's a lot of opportunities. I, I will never forget when I first interviewed, the very right after I got my license, I interviewed at a brokerage and I was wearing a stuffy pantsuit and pearls, which just makes me laugh so much um, based on who I am now. And uh, I tried to pretend to be somebody I wasn't to fit what I expected the mold was for a real estate agent. And I will never forget what that manager who I, I eventually started working for said to me, which was, they could hire anybody, but they're choosing you because you are different, unique, you stand out, and never be afraid to be authentic. And, uh, and I think that was the permission that I needed to uh, be a little bit more confident in the fact that mistakes are okay imperfection is relatable. And, uh, and when uh, I actually, right when Facebook Live came out uh, years ago, I'm aging myself, um, I remember walking through a home and I was very much uh, describing all of the beautiful assets of the home. And uh, I was walking up the stairs and there is no undoing live. So right. I tripped and fell and threw the phone across the room and and crawled over on top of it. And I was so embarrassed. I just ended the live. And I remember it got so many views and shared so many times. And I was so embarrassed. I was thinking, how in the world am I ever going to show my face again? 
And I started getting friend request after friend request and client call after client call. And every single person said the same thing. That was real. That was something we relate to. If I got out of the car to show a brand new client a home and I tripped and fell, that doesn't make me less capable of selling the home. It makes me human. And so I think understanding that mistakes occur and imperfection is acceptable is, uh, is when I took on a different approach to how I sold and I started realizing trust comes from not being stuffy, like trust comes from being, uh, being someone's friend and, and being authentic. So I would tell you, that it, it's very easy to, to get in your own head and to doubt your abilities or doubt your, um, your potential. But the reality is it's, it's about pursuing the dream that you have and continuing to do what you love to do and staying true to it. And it works. So I think that's what I would, I would tell anybody that is, is worried about hitting that wall. Um, what do you do once you hit that? You just push right through it. And if you're a little, if you're a little damaged from it, get back up, dust yourself off and do it again. I really love that point of view, just your confidence, your your ability to be so relatable and to also just to bring it back to, you know, you're you're an imperfect person and you're you're constantly striving to be a better version of you every day. And I think that's something that that everyone, no matter what career path they've chosen for themselves, um, you know, should think about when they wake up in the morning. Like, how can I do what I do today better than I did yesterday? So that's a really yeah. awesome take. Um, and we really appreciate you sharing that with us. Absolutely. I'm happy to, um, to to shed a little bit of light on, I think so many people think that this job is, we're glorified door openers and <laughs> we we show houses and we write contracts. And the reality is this is a psychological uh, endeavor as well. This is just as much about um, creating a a safe place for people. And if you think about it, this is the largest financial decision that people will make. And uh, there are so many more. There's more than just signing a contract to this. This is this is very much becoming um, a lifelong asset to a family. Sure. So, yeah, it's a it's it's very fun, but it's also, again, a lot of responsibility. <laughs> Well, you have the perfect personality to just to, no. to make those connections with people and, and your confidence just explodes. So we really appreciate, you know, everything that you've shared with us today um, uh, about your journey as a realtor. Well, thank you so very much for having me. I'm Melinda Lynch. And if you need to sell your home in a pinch, call Melinda Lynch. She also makes home buying a cinch. This episode's gross mindset message is success takes time and effort. Sometimes we try something new and it doesn't quite go according to plan. Thinking with a growth mindset means that we keep trying instead of giving up. Your growth mindset challenge of the week is to ask someone you admire how they got so good at one of their special talents or skills. Then share with them one of your special talents or skills that you have been working hard on. Hey kids, we hope you enjoyed learning about today's exciting career. Tune in next time to learn about a new job to consider from the wonderful world of work. 
Parents and caregivers, it's time now to talk to our panel of educators about important soft skills that you can help your child to develop, making both their today and tomorrow brighter. Joining us this episode to further discuss our interview with Melinda Lynch, Realtor, are three fantastic educators. Leanne Kruger works as a kindergarten teacher at Beechwood Elementary in the Pittsburgh Public School District. Elaine Volpe is the head of the Youth Services Department at the Bethel Park Public Library. Finally, our guest panelist is Brittany Taylor, principal of Canna McMillan High School. Let's see what they have to share. It took Melinda a lot of time and effort to become a successful realtor. How can we help kids become more comfortable with the idea that success does not happen overnight? So in my opinion, um, as an educator, I think that's exactly what students need to hear is it doesn't happen overnight. I believe in being blunt and brutally honest with students to give them that real world experience because that's what we get in the real world in our workplaces. And they just need to understand that it does take time dedication and hard work to achieve success. But I think what some students get misconstrued because everything is so quick at their fingertips on their phones is that there's a temporary grind and the joy is in the journey. Um, and the best part is the journey because whenever you get to your destination with the way of the world nowadays, you're going to, you're on to the next venture. So my best input is just success doesn't happen overnight. It takes time, dedication, and hard work to achieve it. Absolutely. And I, I like how you said finding joy in the journey because even when they're struggling or, you know, something is very hard, you know, I think that there is a lot to be said. There's a lot of beauty in that journey and that they should take some time to really enjoy that and, and take it, internalize it, learn from it, and apply it as they as they work towards that goal. I agree. And things take time. Um, I think time is our most valuable currency because it's it's never guaranteed. Um, and change can happen. Failure is part of the journey. And I think something really important for kids to know, especially, is that comparison is the thief of joy. Because my journey may not be your journey or anyone else's journey. Um, and it has to take hard work and patience to get there. And I think in today's times, it is so hard not to compare ourselves to other people you know, with social media and, and the way that we have everything at our fingertips now, it's so easy to see what someone else has or is doing and then comparing yourself to them. Like, why don't I have that? Why am I not doing that? Um, so just telling them, you know, to kind of keep their eyes on the prize and focused on their own journey, I think is important. That's a great and I point. I think um, talking about someone's own personal journey, if you find something that really interests you or you find out what your passion is, that it really is worth that time and that effort and that hard work to be the best that you can be at that. So when if you're if you're lucky enough to find something that really interests you, working really hard for it will be worth it. Those were great answers. I think I would just, you know, agree wholeheartedly with um, everything that Brittany and Leanne already said. Um, you know, I think the question was, how can we help kids become more comfortable? Right. I think just that tell them, right, and show them. It goes back to modeling that behavior. Show them that things take time and that things, you know, hard work pays off. You got to put that work in first. One of my favorite quotes is, um, to enjoy the cider, you must first peel the apple, right? Um, everything takes a little bit of effort. That instant gratification isn't always going to be there. You have to put the hard work in and you have to be willing to put that hard work in. So I think we just tell them as often as we can. We remind them and we show them. Sure. I think using our own experiences too to model for them is always a great idea. You know, 
Um, if you see them struggling, just sharing a time in your life when you were working really hard towards something and, you know, not giving up and what it finally paid off for you. I think just sharing our experiences too is, is super important. So listening to Melinda talk about her career and the, the kinds of things that she does on a daily basis, um, what are some soft skills that you think a person in the field of realty might need in order to be successful? So I think definitely communication and teamwork, um, problem solving, negotiation, active listening would be extremely important, patience, time management, and motivation, honestly. Um, you have to be motivated because I think real estate is a position that you could fail on one customer and you have to be able to move on to the next. So you really need that resilience and integrity. Um, but overall, communication and teamwork, definitely. I also wrote down um, being innovative because with social media and other ways that you're trying to market yourself or get your name out there in that sort of field, um, you have to be willing to try a lot of different ways to reach people. Um, so being innovative and ambitious and I think organized, too. There, I know there's a lot to go a lot of paperwork involved in real estate and all those things you have to keep in order. So being really organized would be good too. I had organization listed as well and time management, um, I think would be important. And those of course are skills that we should be developing as early as we can with, with our kids as well. And I, I think that kind of moves us on to our next question. You know, you guys gave me quite a range of, of different soft skills, you know, active listening, motivation, resilience, innovation, ambition, um, as well as communication and teamwork. That's a really heavy list. How can we as teachers help to build some of these soft skills um, in our classrooms? And also, Elaine, how can you help to do that through your community programming at the library as well? So. Before I was an administrator, I was a school counselor. So this is something that we really wanted to foster within our school building. Um, so, so my list just kind of uh, would, would definitely recommend that you use group projects in the classroom to foster that teamwork um, because kids should be having those real world experiences that you do have to work together unless you're self-employed and you're only employer. Um, I believe in, and I, this probably isn't a soft skill, but some people don't even know that they have it emotional intelligence of just human connection. You shake someone's hand, you give them a fist bump, you give them a high five. That's really setting a tone of, hey, I'm happy that you're here. So that emotional intelligence piece and just just being intentional about your interactions with people, um, which brings me to cultivating empathy in the classroom at every opportunity that we can. Because again, in my opinion, I really do believe in the real world experiences um, and that should be cultivated in our lesson plans as well. And just, just creating the opportunities to practice teamwork with student-run scenarios, student groups, project-based learning, uh, and especially setting daily expectations, giving feedback and receiving feedback are really, really important in my opinion. I think that's a really awesome point you brought up, bringing emotional intelligence and empathy into the teamwork aspect. You know, we think they're working together, they're being a team, but we might not see all the bickering that happens behind the scenes. So really helping them and guiding them through those interactions and making sure that they are approaching them with empathy and, you know, with the other person or the other people that they're working with in mind, I think is, is great. That's a great point. I also wrote down um, almost like uh, persuasive writing activities or activities where you're, you're publicly speaking to 
describe something or get someone to want something because uh, real estate is a transactional sort of job where you're you are trying to sell something to someone. So the best if you can better yourself in the way that you're able to describe things or to, you know, entice people to to want things, I thought that would be a, a good skill too to use in the classroom, that sort of persuasive writing and speaking part too. You're speaking my language as a as a <laughs> former English teacher. You know, I, I definitely agree that persuasive writing can help to to at least help them to hone that language to to get people to to come to their side or to see things from their point of view. That's a great idea. I think another piece with with kind of the project based learning would be just fostering time management and responsibility. Um, because again, unless you're self employed, you are working with other people. And I think time management is something that's it's a tricky thing to teach. Um, because some, some people don't have great models of it at home. And so, you know, a lot of it, a lot of times it does come to us as educators to teach these skills, uh, and time management can be one of those really tricky ones, I think. Definitely. Any ideas on how we can help to support, um, teaching time management in the classroom? I mean, it it just comes down to that project-based learning, in my opinion, um, in making sure those expectations are set. Uh, you know, this is your due date. Just, just basically doing those daily expectations, being intentional about that, because that translates into real estate or whatever post-secondary plan a student has. Sure, and I think sometimes too, like with some of my older kiddos as a school counselor, I've sat them down. Okay, this is your due date. You know, we've kind of like worked mm-hmm. backwards from okay, this is what we should have done by this point. So almost teaching them, you know, this is this is where I'm starting. This is where I need to end up by this time and also teaching them how to kind of work backwards to figure out their little little milestones throughout the project helps with that time management as well. Absolutely. And you're talking about the journey again, which is the best part, because once they get to their destination of finishing that, they're on to the next assignment. Right. So, again, it translates into the real world. Absolutely. I think at home, too, we can even, you know, sometimes kids are following that schedule during school, so they want to kind of be laid back when they get home. But I think even having a schedule at home can be helpful. Um, I know I did this with my kids, you know, from 3 to 3.30, you have your downtime. You can go play outside or, you know, watch that TV show, whatever you want to do. 3.30, we start homework, 4 o'clock, and you kind of have that schedule. Or even something as simple as, you know, let's lay your clothes out the day before. So you know what you're wearing to save time in the morning, right? Let's have your backpack packed and ready to go at the door. Doing little things like that, even if it's not a set schedule per se, just teaching your kids at home to do those certain things in a certain time period um, can be helpful and I think would carry carry over. So doing it in school for sure, but also, you know, we can help them develop those skills at home too. Absolutely. Any other tricks, tips, ideas on ways that parents can work on not only time management, but other um, some of these other soft skills we've talked about today um, with their children. Elaine and Jen, you you said it multiple times throughout this entire time. Modeling, it's what what we do. Our kids are paying attention. Modeling, extremely important, and just just teaching them self respect so that they can learn to respect others and, and regulate their emotions, um, so that when it does come time to deal with conflict once we get in the workplace, that they understand right. that. Absolutely. I love that. And you talked about emotional intelligence and having that empathy. And um, I think that's so important too. And our, our summer learning theme this year is all together right now, all together now. So it talks about 
unity and friendship and kindness and just in general how we can make the world a better place, both individually, things we can do on our own, but also as a whole, right? What can we do together as a community to make the world a better place? So something that we're doing at the library is just having a list of suggested activities that they can work on this summer. Um, Just, you know, some are just random acts of kindness. Maybe it's write a thank you note to a community helper or cook a meal together and then surprise somebody with a surprise drop-off, right? Just doing little kind things for one another. I think that's so important that we, that we teach that and we teach that early so that they have that um, skill when they get into the workforce. Because again, no matter who you work for, I think you have to have excellent communication skills and you have to learn how to get along with one another, right? That, that's so important. Elaine, I couldn't agree more. Regardless of differences, we have to be able to coexist and get along. Right. Be with that. And, uh, going back to just this talk about time and effort, and we're saying good things are worth working hard for and that they take time for. So thinking about parents at home with their their little ones, maybe having projects or choosing things that maybe won't be completed in a quick or, you know, in a, in a fast way so that, that they can slow themselves down or understand, I can work a little bit on it today, but then I might have to come back tomorrow and add a little bit more to it. So just understanding that you don't always have to finish everything quickly because that might not be the best way to do it. So if you just put a little bit of time in every day, then your final product will be the best that it can be. That reminds me of my grandmother, actually. She always used to have a jigsaw puzzle out on the table, you know, and it wasn't, you couldn't just sit there and do it all at once. You, I mean, it's just impossible. You start to go cross-eyed almost looking at all those pieces so much, but just the fact that you could, you know, accomplish a little bit today and then, you know, move on. And we always felt so awesome when we would go over and, you know, we would put the last pieces in and she was one of those that she liked to glue them together and save them. Um, so, you know, we could see our yep. final product, but yeah, that I think that's right. You know, teaching them that, it's not always a race. We sometimes have to slow down and, and take things slowly, step by step. As a kindergarten teacher, that's one of that's something I say constantly because they always want to be done first. Or they all, and I want the complete opposite from them. I want them to take their time, and it doesn't matter if it takes a little longer. Absolutely. I think one thing that I, I it seems negative, but it's not. Um, something that my I'm going to say my father specifically in, instilled in me was. It's okay to fail. And, and, you know, I was an athlete. Jen, I know you know that. So if we had to race and he would race me, he wouldn't let me win. So it's like things are earned, not given. And that was a very early lesson. And that absolutely has helped me with my journey personally. Um, But I think nowadays, something I see is kids have this expectation and entitlement that things are given to them rather than earned because maybe they haven't failed. And right now I have the participation award generation and, and I see it, like you can see the difference. So let's say they take that real estate test and they don't pass. It's not their fault, it's someone else's fault. And I think we just really needed to work on changing that narrative to make sure kids know it's okay to fail. And, and I want them to fail now because failure is not a mistake. It's a lesson and you just figure out how to grow from there. And, and it, I think it's hard as a parent to watch your children fail, but it's better to watch them fail while they're still under your roof and while you can still help, you know, them to pick up the pieces um, and and teach them, you know, the skills that they need um, to go through that. You know, when you do fail, this is how we kind of pick ourselves up and dust ourselves off and try again. Um, But letting it happen as much as possible, I think, is important because it will show them, you know, how to deal with it when they're older and when they are out on their own and 
um, you know, they need to be the ones that, that pick themselves up and start over again. We thank our panelists for participating in today's discussion and for sharing their insights on ways that we can continue guiding our children towards successful todays and tomorrows. Be sure to keep an eye out for the next installment of The Wonderful World of Work. I'm Jennifer Ford, and thank you for listening and learning with us today. To get more information and resources about this week's episode, you can visit www.wqed.org slash edu.